Jones, but they score! Jakob Voracek with just a couple of minutes gone in overtime, and Voracek completes the comeback. Voracek holding the pass for Gassenberg, he scores! A ghostly game winner extends his point streak and wins the game! Gassenberg kept it alive, kept it to Giroud, who scores! Good evening. That's right. We are back with a brand new episode of SOP Radio. It's been a while, but don't worry. The same same theme is there. The Flyers are still in the playoff hunt. They are. They have some ground now with the teams behind them in the playoff race. My name is David Katai, and I am your host for the evening. I'm joined by Ryan Gilbert on the evening. Tom Fody's out adding to his Corsi stats tonight at his uh, men's league game, so don't worry about that. He's got some great thoughts for us, though, that he told me to put into this uh, podcast. So I've got some Tom Fody quotes coming for you later Can't on. Wait. Yes. Ryan Gilbert, how are you, buddy? You know, I'm doing good. You know, we were struggling to find find a time here to talk about the Flyers, just like the Flyers were struggling to play some good hockey. And, you know, this weekend that they came out for big points, you know, we're back together. So it, it, it's perfection, really. It really is. And it's, I mean, we came back at the right time. It's always a good thing. But the most important part, I think, of this entire getting together and everything that's going on of late is the flyers literally may be the streakiest team in the nhl right now that they, they may they're, obviously they're, like, they're one of if not the most yeah it, it's, it's peaks it's and crazy. valleys peaks and uh, valleys galore it's 10 and 0 stretches oh and 10 stretches one seven stretches the flyers right now are on in the midst of a two and O stretch which means they're going to start winning five more in a row and then maybe they'll back in to the playoffs we, we don't know right now but they're coming off a huge i mean this is probably one of the most impressive wins of the season for them uh, against a tough oh, washington yeah. team they were a little bit shorthanded but it's still a very tough washington team a team that could face depending on where how this the regular season finishes out could face in the first round of either that or pittsburgh and they really proved the point today you know with nine games remaining the flyer well 10 games after today would have been nine but w- with limited games remaining the flyers needed to make a point they needed to come out here and say hey we're for real we're going to be a problem for you and now the flyers have beaten washington for three times out of the four that they played them this season yeah it's a really big game and they've they've played them well at home both times it was the home opener they beat them eight two and then tonight they scored six more goals on them so eight two six three two big wins and like you said they played them well in washington so if this was a playoff preview i I, i'd be comfortable with that and it was like you said, it's one of their best efforts recently. It was the second half of a back-to-back. You know, they could have less than 24 hours with travel. They had been struggling until the third period of the Carolina game. And they came out good in the first period. And then, you know, it got better in the second. They got that one goal. But Washington got that goal back. And I thought, you know, you thought, here we go again. Getting a late goal in a period. Washington gets momentum going into the third. Fatigue sets in and the Flyers blow it. But... You got those two two big goals late in the second period. You got Limblom scoring his first, and then Provorov's shot kind of going in a bit fluky. But you have to get those bounces sometimes. And we've seen both sides of this of this Flyers team over the past few weeks. We saw them when they're at their best. They can beat anybody. They can go into Vegas and beat Vegas. They can beat the Capitals in a back to back. But we also saw them at their worst, where they just maybe maybe if they're playing well, they they still can't find a way to win. Like like we saw. In the loss to Boston, the last minute loss, the last few minute loss to Vegas, where they just coughed up a few points. But you know, it's a long season. The Flyers are streaky, and they could be getting hot at the right time. And that's right. And that's always when we try to try look for positives in certain situations like this. Because I mean, if you look at it, the Flyers are a playoff team, and then their playoff positioning and their you know percentage to make the playoffs rose five percent with the win today so now they're at 92 point something percent so the flyers look like they're you know they're going into the, into the playoffs at the right time with the right sh- possible stretch they have a couple of games this week against teams that they need to beat detroit yeah. detroit is coming in i mean they're reeling they're not even in conversation at all and then they also need to beat the rangers who they've had pretty well i mean they've had some success against this year so i mean the fact of the matter is they host them at home too and i think coming off that huge win when alex uh alex line did come in relief of that last game that they played at madison square garden uh i think that's going to be something impressive for this team this week because they know 
that Pittsburgh is going to be an issue. They know that, you know, guys like that are going to be tough, especially playoff teams where you're going to you're going to get a lot a lot of good talent coming at you. So you have to capitalize on teams reeling at the moment, and that's the only way this team is going to move, play well moving forward. Yeah, we saw Pittsburgh come in here well, on the Wednesday night rivalry, but both teams kind of had a chance to either take first place or take second place. And, you know, the Flyers could go into Pittsburgh on Sunday and have a similar situation. If they beat both Detroit and the Rangers like they should, they might be within, you know, three points, two points, or even a point of, of first or second place with Pittsburgh. And, you no, know, they haven't played Pittsburgh well at all this season. They, they yeah. haven't gotten the bounces. Their first game in Pittsburgh, they probably should have won, but, you know, they took some bad penalties, didn't get the bounces, and they lost in overtime. And then, they kind of got smacked both times here. They they were in it for a little bit, and then Pittsburgh just rolled rolled them over. So this is hopefully this big weekend. Got four points. Got two. Should be. There's no easy teams in the NHL, but these are two of the games that when the Flyers are really trying to kind of clinch their playoff position against these two teams that are really just looking forward to the offseason and next year is two two huge games that you have to win. And the Flyers look like they're kind of going up at the right time now. They're getting that depth scoring. They're getting goals in their defensemen. They're getting better goaltending now. I mean, Peter Mrazek let, let in one bad goal to John Carlson on the, on the backhand, but you saw Alex Lyon come in Saturday too. And he, he really stole the show there. Yeah, and and that's and that's a good thing moving forward because you know for the first three game first three or four games of Peter Mrazek's you know tenure here, it was oh wow, the Flyers have their savior. It was gonna be great. You know an amazing deal by Hextall. I mean, still, if you still look at it, it is, it's a pretty solid deal for Hextall at the worst. It can be a, you know, a third round at the, you know, the best it can be, you know, for whatever, you know, whatever it is, the worst it's a second round pick, but coming into this game, Peter Morazic had been terrible. I mean, like he had what, he was like one in four in his last five starts or one in three with his last four with like an 86 save percentage. And like, it, it was, it's stuff that you were like, oh wow, this is maybe the reason why Detroit wasn't weren't going to you know hand him the reins of everything going on, and there's a reason why he was playing the way he was. But no, it's just this guy's this guy may be one of the most streaky goaltenders too in the NHL, where he's you know he has stretches of great games like mostly a lot of you know average goaltenders do. They have streaks where they're great, and then they have the ones that where it's like, all right, man, why are you playing goaltender in the NHL? Like th- those are just. Situations that happen. I mean, we saw with Alex Lyon, he had a his first few games were absolutely terrible, and then he's had a you know a couple of few good spot relief starts, and he also had the good win in uh, Carolina. So uh, the Flyers are getting a lot of contributions from guys they they shouldn't be relying on getting contributions from, but but right now they're getting contributions from guys down in the lineup. They're getting solid goaltending at least for the last two games, which they need, and two guys that you know no one even thought of before the season started. So, people having people step up at this point of the year with ten games remaining, now nine, it's it just shows the type of team they are, what kind of locker room you have. Because and Travis Konecki said this after the game, he said everybody's buying into what we're doing. You know, whether it's who it doesn't matter where you're at in the lineup, you're going to block a shot. It doesn't matter what you're doing, you're going to try to be a good two way checking forward. You're going to have to kill penalties you're going to have to put your body out there everybody's buying into what this organization is you know what they're feeding them and that's a great thing i mean obviously we talk a little bit about you know though their locker room cliches you don't really know what's going on but you know anybody that goes to a practice anybody that actually is in that locker room you know for post-game stuff they know how tight-knit this group is because this is the same group that lost 10 in a row and was like oh yeah we played pretty good it's just 10 losses we got five points so th- the flyers are they're, they're an enigma uh, like that's really because one day one team one day they look like an ahl team and the next day they look like like washington like as good as washington's been for this year in this division so th- that's the type of team you're getting right now i, I don't want to go over to the vague part i want to get into like what happened tonight that i think really set the this really set the tone for how the flyers are going to try to play their remaining nine games and a lot of it was Getting pucks under, you know, behind the net. You know, we talk about dump and chase and how irrelevant some it is sometimes. But the Flyers were so good on their forecheck that they were able to create a few turnovers, make uh, get a few stoppages uh, of frozen pucks from uh, Grubauer to get faceoffs, and that was like the same thing off the Shane Goss's bare faceoff goal. It, you know, they got a stoppage in there, they had offensive zone faceoff. Giroux wins it, gets it right over to Goss's bare, and fires it, and that when. 
that that type of thing right there is it's just a an accumulation of how well you know one sh- one prior shift can lead to something positive to a next shift yeah we always talk about how the little things can pile up negatively and, and that's kind of what happened during the losing streak but during this game like you said getting the puck in deep getting it cycling a bit getting the puck out in front getting shots on net it's the little things piling up that that generate scoring chances and generate goals and and, and lead lead to wins off that face off you saw I mean, you saw the Gosses Bear goal. You saw Provorov just throwing the puck on that traffic in front, and, and it goes in. You saw Voracek working hard, getting the pass to Lindblom for the goal. You saw Simmons pick off a pass in the slot and then score. So they're they're doing the little things right when they're winning, and th- they kind of are an enigma because one game, we, we saw it on Saturday. Two periods, they look completely tired. They look lost, and then in the third period, they – flip a switch and just score four in the final 10 minutes. And they carried that over into Sunday night's game against Washington. They, they played them tight in the first period. You know, it was physical. They went back and forth. I think one of the most under talked about things in this game is going to be the penalty kill, the penalty kill late in the first period. Washington had a minute of power play time. And then I don't think they even really got set up. You had Matt Reed doing good work. And then the second period, Philpula cycled the puck around skated up to the neutral zone, passed it back on the penalty kill. I mean, Washington really never got too many power play chances, and that's that's something that's huge when you have someone like Alex Ovechkin that, that can make you pay. And, and he did make him pay at even strength with when he got behind Provorov, which, you know, that's going to happen once in a while. You don't want to see it happen to a guy like Provorov, but we've seen the defense make a lot of mistakes, which is a part of the reason Mrazek was – so poor coming into this game. He was one five and one in his last seven games with with an eight sixty three save percentage, and yet he wasn't he he wasn't good at all. He was very bad, but there were weren't that many soft goals given up. It was mostly about kind of the defense in front of him. It was more just him not coming up with with a timely save like he was able to do tonight against the Capitals. He had that big save on an odd man rush. He had the pair of saves on the odd man rush in the second period. He he got a few lucky bounces off the post. He was in the right position to make the saves and he stopped 25 of 28. He gave up one soft one, but he made the saves when he needed to to keep the Flyers in it and you know, we they got contributions from the top line, Giroux winning the faceoff back, tying Eric Lindros on the all-time Flyers list. They got contributions from Wayne Simmons to get in two goals. Voracek, the pass to Limblom and the empty netter. So up and down the lineup, this line, this this team can produce when they have four good lines, and, and that's something that they had tonight. And a lot of that, their, of their having four good lines, has a lot to do with their young players filling in roles perfectly so that the head coach and the assistant coaches don't have to decide hey, we're going to have to move someone where maybe they shouldn't be playing right now. Uh, we talked about this earlier, like earlier podcasts where Nolan Patrick, he, him being able to develop into that true second, you know, second line center or eventual first line center is huge for the development of players like Oscar Lindblom who can come up and he and the coaches feel confident and say, hey, you guys might be my left, you might be the left wing center combo for, you know, the next 10 to 15 years and you might have Konechny eventually on your wing. Like the, the fact that these young guys who are 21, 20 and 19 coming up and just playing incredible hockey for a team that's in the midst of a playoff race against veteran teams that have been there and, you know, have made noise, teams have won Stanley Cups. That's, inc- that's great. And, and that's, that's really where I think this theme of this, the rest of the season has come through because you look at the lineup tonight, 10 of the, 10 of the, what, the 20 or the 10, yeah, 10 of the 20, 18, I don't, 18 yeah, skaters. Yeah, well, I'm talking about just in general, 10 of the oh, 20 10, total, oh, yeah. uh, 25 and younger. Oh, yeah. Ryan, we, we talk about, we want, you know, a lot of people want youth, a lot of people want the youth movement, there is a youth movement going on. It may not be all rookies, but it's guys with you know limited of years of experience, and then the the senior member of that is Sean Couturier, who's finally developing into. He can't score though, Dave. So he's bad. I mean, he hasn't scored a goal in how long? Yeah, but that's, that's but, but again, but but these are the things. These are the patches that these young guys have gone through. Sean Couturier has gone through long stretches where he'll figure it out. He, it's not like he's not getting great chances to score. Yeah, he got no, and so three times within like a two right. minute span. And that's my point is they're doing a, a lot of the young guys are doing things that are that a coach is going to say, damn, this is great. There's a reason why Oscar Limbaugh stayed on this roster. 
despite, you know, when Wayne Simmons came back from injury. Uh, that's because he's doing a lot of little things. He's gotten tons of scoring chances. Yeah, he didn't, it took forever for him to score, apparently. But guess what? That's fine because he's still generating offense. And for a young guy to come in here who, you know, just adapt, adapted to the, you know, the North American game with a smaller rink in what took him, what, six months, basically, to do that, six or seven months to do that. Now he's contributing at the NHL level. He's got two points in two games, and he's really been a key uh, a key member for that set to really fix that second line and make them, I mean, click a little bit more. I like that. And I like the fact that Limblom is a, a physical player, just like Jake Voracek is maybe not to the same stature that Jake Voracek is along the boards, but he's very strong for a young kid. And he's, he's got, he's got to start squatting. If he wants to be like Voracek. <laughs> right, exactly. So, and that's, and that's the positives moving forward. You have three kids under the age of 22 playing in your top six. And, and control, you know, and contributing in many ways. They're all in the power play. They're all, you know, Oscar Lindbaum does have PK experience. He's not going to do that. You have Travis Konechny throwing his body out there to try to block shots, whether he wants to or not. And he talks about that. So the Flyers are getting so many contributions from young players that it's really helping. It's taking the ease off the veterans. And it's even allowing the head coach to say, all right, well, Yuri Letera, you're going to go sit. See you later. And it's even had them experiment, even though I don't agree with the experiment, but Though the experiment with maybe, hey, let's try to jumpstart a guy like Michael Roffel. Let's try to jumpstart other guys by moving, moving Travis Konechny, who seems to be an energy plug for every single line he's on. Let's try to move him there. Let's try to get Wayne Simmons back and ready to go because he has experience playing with Simmons like he did last year. So the, the mixing and matching is great late in the season. And I do like the fact that the head coach decided, all right, well, this isn't working. Uh, we're going to put Travis Konechny back. Obviously, Michael Roffel did leave with an injury. Um, you know, early in what was it early in the game? Early in the he, second he period, he left two shifts in the second period. He played the shift with like 15 minutes left, and then with five left. So I kind of wonder if that was a thing that was nagging him, and and the coaches took him off the top line anyway, or, or if it was a matchup thing. But yeah, hopefully Raffles okay because he's he's been a good grinding forward for him. Right, and, and that's. And that's exactly that's the point, because obviously Yuri Letera is a complete drop off from Michael Raffle. But the fact of the matter is you it's not like you're inserting Michael uh, Yuri Letera or Dale Weiss into the top line. You're putting them down in the third, fourth line to get some limited minutes. And, you know, Letera has been pretty decent on the penalty kill, I guess you could say. I mean, he's he's scored a couple goals. And <laughs> so he's been better. He's been no, better. He's been, he's been oh, yes. And he's been better recently. If he's your 12 forward doing that, that's incredible. So that's mm -hmm. a good thing for the Flyers moving forward. I want to talk a little bit about Wayne Simmons. Well, let me just touch on this whole youth movement thing. It's, you know, it's because the coaches have given Patrick and Connecty time, like we well, like we talked about on podcast after podcast, to kind of, you know, go through the bumps, go through the put Patrick and Connecty in the bottom six and come back up, and and then they're producing now. And we see that with Limblom. he went down to the AHL for a few months, and now now he's stuck in the NHL. He's doing the little things right, and now he's scoring. And you know we we see the same thing with Sanheim a bit. He started with the club, he then in December January he got healthy scratch sent back down, and you know he he went down there and a credit to him he went down there he worked on what he needed to work on he matured and now he's back up with confidence and he's he's getting done what he has to do and you know it, it's fair to argue to say you know maybe the Flyers should have should have started this season with all three of these guys because you never know what could have happened but it hasn't hurt them to you know wait a few months for for each of them really I mean obviously Travis Sandheim is better than Brandon Manning but for the past two months they were getting winning results with Manning, even though Manning was playing poorly. So they did they didn't really sacrifice too much in terms of wins and losses while allowing Sanheim to develop and grow in the AHL. And now he now he's playing a better two way game. He's standing people up at the blue line. He's forcing people to the outside. He's tying them up in front, getting winning the board battles. And and that's what they want to see. And you know, that's just an example of Sanheim, Limblom, Patrick, Connecty. They're all they're all guys that at the beginning of the year they wouldn't be able to play the roles they're playing right now. And due to the patience, due to due to at least somewhat due to coaching, they've kind of grown to, grown into their roles. And you know, you got Connecty playing top line. You have Limblom, pa Patrick, both on the second line. Sanheim on the second pair. And these are guys that are all going to be a huge part of your team for the next four, five, six years. And you know, if it takes a few months in the AHL or some healthy scratches or in the bottom six to get that, it, it's worth it for them this season and moving forward. Especially when you're not sacrificing. It's not like the Flyers were sacrificing 10, 15 points on the year. You know what I mean? It's not like they're sacrificing their place in the playoffs. Where where would they be? You know, the, it's not like 
Travis Sanheim, him out of the lineup. We talked about this. Yeah. He, had some really, he had some really terrible puck luck, Ryan. That was, uh, it seemed like every glaring mistake he would make would result in a goal. Meanwhile, Brandon Manning would make the same mistake and it wouldn't. And that's, and that is, he'd make the same mistake five times and they'd all be saved. Right. And, and it's, and it's, that sucks. But again, when some of these coaches, they look at the situation and, you know, obviously they could say, all right, we, and we talked about this too, a lot. Travis Sandheim's ceiling is not Brandon Manning. And the coaching staff and the organization, they all know that. It's the same thing with Travis Konecki. They didn't want him to be Matt Reed, where you're going to more than likely be a third liner unless the team is really desperate and they need to put him in the top six. Like, that's not what's going to happen. They know that he's going to be possibly be a top six winger. And exactly the same thing what they think of Travis Sandheim. Before, you know, before Gosses Bear came up and, you know, was incredible. They had, you know, they didn't know what their blue line was going to be. They knew they drafted some guys. They knew they did all this, but, you know, they... The hype for Travis Sandheim was real. Same thing with Ivan Provorov. They they thought, hey, well, one of these guys is going to be a top pairing defenseman. Like, and now they have an opportunity to have three top pairing defensemen filling out three of their six defensive spots. So the fact of the matter is that they're getting guys to realize what their potential could be. Whether it's through struggling, whether it's through watching other people succeed, they're starting to realize, hey, some of what these guys are doing is similar to how I play. Especially got especially Gossespierre. They have similar, I mean, offensive styles. They have, they're a little bit similar. Gossespierre is obviously, I'd say, 10, 15 times better, but they have similar instincts as, in yeah. how they play their game. And, you know, maybe, maybe going down was, I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. We all know that. We all agree that it wasn't a bad thing, but it was more of a, you know, middle ground of, you know, when is the right time to put him back up? Well, a lot of us, I mean, Ryan, since the very day one, we said he's way better than Brandon Manning should have been in the lineup. That's it is what it is. Yeah, and the flyers have said multiple times that they're not going to have what three or four rookies in the lineup right. at the same time. And now that they've Hague back, he's settled in a bit. He's not really a rookie anymore too, too much. He's played what 60, 70 games and, you know, Sanheim got his confidence back. He's playing better. So he can, kind of be that rookie guy and, and now they they kept him together with, with mcdonald who had a great game and they put Hague and with and gudas together and they're kind of the defensive pair and those are those are three decent pairs the top pair is great and then the bottom two pairs are they are what they are they're, they're going to make their mistakes but they're still pretty good so they, they have it everything takes time and the flyers didn't sacrifice that many points in the standings they wouldn't they wouldn't be in first place if they had if they had Sandheim up here the whole year, they they wouldn't be. They probably wouldn't wouldn't even be in second place right now. It, no, they'd be in the same. They'd probably be in the yeah. same spot they are in right now, give or take a point or two. And that's and, because with the way this team is, they're just an average to possibly above average team. The way they've played all year with the peaks and valleys, like we talked about, the, you know, the enigma of what is this team really, and that's just the type of team that they are at the moment. They don't have every young guy figuring it out. They don't have a lot of consistency from their their veterans, other than Claude Giroux. I mean, I mean Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek. They're they're playing incredibly consistent hockey, but some of the other veterans like Valtteri Filbula or Michael Raffle or even Wayne Simmons were going through droughts of scoring or being injured and dealing with things like that. So they've been they've been up and down. They've been in the middle ground. And I think that's where I mean, a lot of people agree that this team's been incredibly average at be, I mean, at worst, incredibly average this season. Which and is they're, fine because right. there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of bad teams in the NHL right. and, and being average has gotten the Flyers into third place. It got them into first place for a day or two. It can get them back into first place if they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And then the playoff comes and we playoffs come and we've seen what this team can do with, when they get hot. And I also want to touch on the uh, whole connect knee raffle switch from the Carolina game because you know, when the Flyers are lacking depth scoring, they have to make a move to try to spread things out. And and that's what they did. Raffle's a guy that can fill in anywhere and putting connecting down in the third line kind of it splits up their It creates three, a matchup problem. Yeah, it, it splits up their three or four best players. They have Katori Giroux on the top line, they have Voracek on the on the second line, and then they have Konechny and Simmons on the third line. And Carolina only really has two decent lines, two good lines to match up against them and you know, Pat Nolan Patrick got the matchup against Carolina's third line, and they they destroyed them. And and Philpula, I mean, he got they got beat in the shot attempt battle, but they, they scored two goals against their line. So, getting the depth scoring is key, and that's just something he has to do. You, fans complain about wanting depth scoring, and then Hackstall moves Connecty down in the lineup to try to shake things up, and they complain about that. Which, yeah, Connecty should be playing more, but if it helps the team overall, it's worth doing. Right, and, and I'm glad you talked a little bit about that because 
there are there have been times where you know Travis Konechny plays six, you know nine minutes, or there's times where Travis Konechny is playing 15, 16 minutes, and just like tonight, Travis Sandheim played twenty minutes on you know on the ice tonight. That's he was on the ice more than guys you know guys like Nolan Patrick were or guys like Wayne Simmons were. So that's a, that's a good thing. Like obviously forwards and defense doesn't matter, but. I mean, I'm pretty sure he played the second or third most amount of all the defensemen. I mean, Andrew yeah, McDonald. Sandheim, even strength played the second most out of everybody. He played 17, 13. Right. And overall, he played the second most out of defensemen. He played 2010, which was nine seconds. Or he played 2001, which was nine seconds less than Provorov. So he was he was third by nine seconds. But yeah, right. He, so the, the coaching he's staff, those minutes. Right. And exactly. And the coaching staff says, hey, this guy is playing with a ton of confidence. We're going to put him on the ice. And, and a lot of that has been the same exact thing with Nolan Patrick. Early in the year, he did not look like he, you know, there he did not look like he not that he didn't belong. He didn't look like he was going to be the second line center. We're like, OK, maybe he's still dealing with injury. He's still recovering. He's still trying to figure out a league. He's only 19 years old. You know, they, tons of stuff, tons of, you know, things like that. And now that he's starting to figure out the coach is going, you know, the coaching staff is saying, hell, we're going to put him with some of our most creative players and let him delegate and win faceoffs because he's very good at winning faceoffs. He's very strong now along the boards, which earlier in the year he was definitely not. So. The fact of the matter is that he's playing such great hockey, and some of these young guys are playing such great hockey. It's it's a good problem for this team to have, to be able to switch things up, to be able to say, hey, we trust in Travis Sanheim enough and the way he's playing that we're going to play with Andrew McDonald because more than likely Andrew McDonald is going to play the second, you know, his minutes are going to increase every single night because that's we have confidence in that guy. It's the same exact thing that happened with Ivan Pro Shane Gossesbear, the same exact thing that happened with Ivan Provorov. You want a young guy to play and feel comfortable, so they put the coaching staff puts them with a guy that they feel comfortable with to be able to play their game. It's not like Travis Sandheim's changing his game because he's playing with Andrew McDonald. No, he's still playing the same game. It's the same thing Gossesbear and Ivan Provorov did. They were able to perform well, they were able to establish themselves, and now they're now the the one of the better pairings, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. So oh, yeah that and that's that's what the we talk about improvement we talk about growth we talk about this team retooling and re in a sense in their rebuilding process and developing players those are the types of developments you're seeing it's not worrying about how many points a guy's scoring or how many minutes a guy's playing every night on average no because there's going to be certain times in a game where a guy's playing so well that he's going to get rewarded for it. There's times where, hell, there's another guy playing extremely well. They're going to reward him for it. It's not just a one-person situation. It's a whole team situation. I mean, go look at the look at the time tonight. Scott Lawton has been arguably one of the better four-checkers for the Flyers. been really good, in my opinion, on that fourth line grinding. And he only played nine minutes. I mean, that's what they're going to do with it. But Oscar Lindblom scored his first NHL goal. He only played 12 minutes on the ice. So there's... It's a lot of things like that. Valtteri Filippoli continues to play, you know, more minutes than Jordan Wheel or, you know, even Scott Lawton. People may not agree with it, but maybe the coach says, hell, this guy's been in the playoffs before. He's performed and scored big, big goals in the playoffs. I mean, he knows what it goes and what it's like to go through a regular season, whether or not he's not playing extremely well. That's obviously we all agree. There's certain points like that, but at least they're following everybody on this team is buying into what the coaching staff and what the organization is preaching. And I think that's why they mesh so well. I mean, you're, you're not really going to hear the, Oh, this I'm pissed off because I'm not playing. Yeah. There probably are people like that, but they also understand why the situation is going on. There's a pretty smart team and they're a pretty smart locker room. In my opinion, uh, they, they really know how to back each other. And I think the veterans, and I think it all starts with the veterans on that team. Yeah, you said before that if you go to the practices or in the locker room, you can tell how close not they are. But I don't think you even, even really have to do that because you see how they stuck together through the 10-game losing streak, and then they stuck together through their losing streak over these past two weeks. And they've they've come out better because of it both times. They they were getting points during the losing streak, and, the, and then they went on that winning streak. And now they went went through that bad stretch for a few weeks, and now they've won back-to-back -back games. And you know, it's good that we can be be positive because of these past two wins. But I think even even during the losing streak, I was I was remaining even keel because the progress of the young players. Patrick was still playing well. Limblom was playing extremely well. Sanheim finally got a chance again due to injury, and he was playing well. But I mean, dur during that losing streak, it just seemed that everything was going the wrong way, and you you never know when it was going to stop for the Flyers. And that's kind of what I wanted. You know, I want to talk about that, Ryan, because you had a really good article, and this is something that we talked about because I was getting to the point where I was going to reach my breaking point because there were so many you, things. You were, you were close to it, Dave. You were close. And, and 
And a lot of this stuff was stuff that when they were winning, I was talk talking about. One of their biggest issues the entire season has been their inability to clear the puck from their own zone. From October onward, it has been an issue. The same thing happened in the Nashville game where they blew that the blew the lead late in, against Nashville. They ended up losing. Now it's games in Pittsburgh where they you know they lost in overtime to Pittsburgh. These things happen a lot through the year. It's not just one game. So these themes are maybe it's the way the coaching staff preaches how we're going to get out of the net, you know, out of, out of our zone, or how we're going to try to get to a rush. Maybe these are things that some of the young guys are saying. Well, hey, maybe I just feel comfortable, you know. To, you know, throwing the puck behind me, or that's exactly what Andrew McDonald does every time he touches the puck, and may, he may throw it into the middle of the ice, but that's okay. Like, so the, the issues like that are, are are things that are still going to creep up on you, and it, and it hasn't really hurt them in the last two games. Again, if they continue to keep doing it, it's going to turn into another one six and one stretch, and possibly missing the playoffs. But the Flyers right now are benefiting from young guys sticking together. They're benefiting from doing the things that that really hurt them doing things well that really hurt them in during that stretch. And I, I don't know what you think the biggest issue was. And obviously we talked about depth scoring and how it wasn't great and how, I know how some of their, you know, their two way play was not that, that great. And they weren't helping the goaltender out at all. But I think a lot of it had to do with the inability to get out of their zone. And they consistently felt that they had to be too protective, I guess, in their own zone, trying to with the puck. You know, there's really four or five different categories that you can look at. You have the depth scoring for the forwards, for the defense. You have it's not clearing the zone, like you said, or taking bad penalties or turning the puck over in their own zone. And then there's the goaltending. We talked about Peter Mrazek was playing horribly. Alex Lyon came in for a start and got and got a win, but that that was just one win during the stretch. And then the the, the fourth thing is coaching. You know, line matchups hurt them a lot, especially against the, the Philpula the Phil Phil matchup. Crosby, yeah. Philpula versus Stahl in the Carolina game. It it just it just killed them. And and you know, coaching decisions can uh, it can make it not it's not going to make or break a game, but it definitely has an impact. And then there's something I didn't touch on in the article, but I probably should have due to the importance is just the special teams play. And we saw against Carolina and, and the Capitals, the Flyers still were not scoring on the power play. The power play has gone completely cold. They're 0 for 5 over the, pa over the past two games. They're 1 for the last one for the last 8 and 2 for the last 12. So it's it's really not good. And, you know, it's okay if you have one or two of those things going wrong. But not if, at the same if, time. If your goaltending is playing bad, you can score or play good defense in front of them. If the coaching isn't up to par, you know, they can win despite the coach if sometimes. And, you know, if the special teams isn't playing, they can win on five on five. But if there, if there's no depth scoring, they're going to lose those two, one games, those three, one games. If there's no, if there's no defense or goaltending, they're going to lose the seven, six games. Like, like we saw them lose in Tampa Bay. And then when everything goes wrong, you're going to see them lose those four to one games, like the Carolina, the five, two to Pittsburgh, the five, three to Columbus. It's just, Everything that could have went wrong really seemed like it was going wrong for the Flyers outside of injuries or stuff like that. It was just they weren't getting depth scoring. They weren't clearing their own zone. Peter Mrazek couldn't stop, couldn't make a timely save. Dave Haxtell's line matchups weren't great for every game, and the power play couldn't score, and and that resulted in, in their losing stretch that they had. But the good thing was that we knew how good this team could be once they get out of that, got out of that funk. And they they lost in the final minutes against Boston, Vegas, and they they were right there with Columbus, which was their last three losses in the stretch. And you know now they 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 clawed out that win against Carolina. They got the clutch win against the Capitals, and now you're seeing those things. You saw the depth scoring. We got Simmons two goals, Fopula's breakaway goal. You know they're still not clearing the zone every time. Stalls deflection goal was after a lost battle, and but. And and we saw good games from Lyon and Mrazek here back to back. And and Hackstall's he made a move to try to improve the line matchups in Carolina, and then he put Konechny back on the top line against the Capitals. So you're seeing improvements in every area. And if if one or two things goes wrong, that's fine. But if everything goes wrong, it's gonna be gonna be a long stretch for the Flyers. And hopefully that doesn't happen in the playoffs because if everything goes wrong in the playoffs, they could be swept or out in five games. Yep, and that's exactly, and that goes back to the consistency part. And I think they're figuring out thing. They're figuring out who they are, Ryan. We talked about during the that ten, that ten, what was it, ten zero and one stretch or whatever the ten zero and two stretch that they had. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
that they you know that was a big um a big turning point for them they were able to figure out who they were i thought um because they were doing a lot of they weren't playing good hockey and they they even said it i mean they they've acknowledged that they weren't playing their best games but they found ways to win and i think teams when you find ways to win or or you eventually find ways to lose you you start to realize hey, hey i can't do that at this point of the game and a lot of that is yeah the veterans may know that but a lot of this is still for the young guys again 10 of the 20 people that were you know in uniform tonight all under the age of 25 so they're growing, they're getting their experience, and it's only a matter of time before they all figure it out at the same time. And you might be getting another one of those stretch 10 0 and 2 stretches. So that's that's the type of importance I'm really I'm really trying to focus on because there are so many, so many great things that have happened this season. There have, but there also have been a lot of glaring negatives that that could really derail this whole thing. And we've seen it many times this season, Ryan, and we agree on that a thousand percent. But the fact of the matter is, I I still believe that some there are a lot of positives that completely outweigh the negatives with this team and the and the direction that they're going because oh, yeah, it, it's 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 inevitable because guess what? They're either going to really fill out and they're gonna they're gonna have a really terrible stretch at the end of the year, or they're going to realize that hey, we can win close games, we can compete with these good teams, we know what it takes to win. Let's get in playoff mode. Let's play with some desperation, like they played for the last what three and a half periods of hockey that they've played. They played with desperation. Yeah, that's they know that they have to have that. They have yet to put a full 60 minutes together in, in the entire season. They haven't, they haven't put a full 60 minutes together in the last two and a half years, but they, I mean, I don't think any team puts it together yeah. 60 minutes, but I mean, they're playing well enough, at least tonight they played well enough in the third, the end of the second, going into the third period of Carolina, they played well enough to, you know, get some momentum going forward. And I think Detroit, a team that they've played pretty well, I think they've played Detroit pretty well over the last few seasons uh they it seems like they have i know I don't, I don't think they're great in detroit no i'm pretty sure that's that's a thing but i mean detroit's a completely broken team right now so right. they should be able to get to win right and that's the thing is like it was it last year where anthony stolar shut out shut out detroit in detroit ending that long stretch like so like things like that guess what young guys continuing to you know make big time plays for this organization in a time where there are yes there are a good amount of old players on this team but there is a lot of young talent that is that have contributed you know earlier in the season in carolina they played they were playing terribly and then jordan wheel just threw a puck on that and it slid through slid through for an overtime game winning goal yeah. like so they're getting a lot of contributions throughout the team uh that's that's a big thing moving forward and a lot of that has to do with the way that the veterans have you know preached about continuing to play with confidence. Oscar Lindblom talked about today that today after his first NHL goal, um, he was asked about how much after the game, how much having being on with on the line with Jake Borchek has really helped you. And he goes, well, having a guy that's been so successful in this league, you know, for the last you know couple of years has really helped me because you know at least with the confidence, he tells me that you know he, his specific words are he reins me back in which is a good thing. It shows that these veterans know what it takes to say, hey, th this isn't going to come every single game unless you keep your head focused on exactly what's going on. You have to play with your heart on your sleeve, and you're saying that with every freaking player on this roster. I mean, you know, there there have been games where Andrew McDonald has, you know, got into it with a few people, and people say, you know, you know, he's one of the most likable guys in that, in that locker room, but you're, you're getting a lot of tenacity. You're getting a lot of pushback in these last few games from a team that looked like they had no backbone during their one six and one stretch and a lot of that has to do with the leadership in this locker room and a way the young guys have really responded and said hell i mean we're we're in this we're going to make some noise and they have a lot of confidence right now yeah i think what you said about there being a lot more positives outweighing the negative is something people really need to focus on because it is really easy to overreact to the negatives and it's fair to do so when the flyers are playing poorly but you have to remember all the positives this team has right now. They have Nolan Patrick really coming into his own. He's outscored Nico Hishio over, over the past month or month and a half. They have Oscar Lindblom. You know, he's he's finally making it in the NHL. He's on the second line. He's going to be on the second line for the rest of the season, probably next season even. They have Konechny becoming one of their best goal scorers on the top line. They have Provorov Gosses Bear becoming one of their best top pairs in the league. They, they have Sanheim coming up, and they have – their veterans having good years too. So there's a lot to be positive about. And, 
you know, during during a during a tough stretch like they just went through, it's really hard to see that, and and it's fair to call them out when when they're playing poorly. But they're the season's eighty two games for a reason. They can have a ten game losing streak. They can go one six and one, and they can be fine afterwards. And, and they have nine games left now. I think four or five of them are against are very winnable games. And if they if they win those games and get some more points, they're going to make the playoffs. And they could be even the two or three seed. And we've seen if they get matched up with Washington, they could win. And then anything can happen happen after that. You're absolutely right. Um, I do want to talk about this because it's a little it's a little cause for concern. We talked about Michael Roffel get you know the injury with Michael Roffel and how. Uh, we don't really know what it is. He's getting reevaluated on Monday. Uh, he only played six, no, yeah, six minutes and 40 seconds of ice time. He had eight total shifts in the game. Um, it's a concern. We talked about this. Obviously, he's a huge upgrade over Gary Letera and Dale Weiss and the combination of them both. Um, so ha- losing Raffle may switch up the lines a little bit. I, I think you'll see uh, a guy like Matt Reed move into that third line wing ish play because i don't think they want to break up the way um scott lawton is playing right now um but again you could probably see jordan will step right in there too is another guy that could say hey we'll put you right in there but yuri latera it scares me that he's gonna <laughs> that he's gonna get back in the lineup because offensively he hasn't really done anything outside of the penalty kill um there have been plenty of times where he and valtteri philpo have just cycled in the zone and passed to nobody that is, that's what they are. They're just 12th forwards playing. They are. They're right now in their careers, they're both 12th forwards, maybe 11th, 12th forwards, playing on a team that's relatively young, and they're getting significantly more ice time than some people. But what do you think of the way Matt Reed... The one I was asked is, what do you think of the way Matt Reed has played? Do you think this is a, a tryout for Matt Reed to say, hey, you know... In the, if we get into the playoffs, I can depending on how well you play on the penalty kill, it's going to be you or Yuri Laterra moving forward. Yeah, Matt Reed was kind of completely written off earlier this season. He was up for a few games, then got sent back down, and kind of out of nowhere, he was called up at the trade deadline as maybe you know that that veteran addition they needed. And you you tweeted out during the game, he looks so much faster than he did begin at the beginning of the year. He looks so much better and. The coaching staff realizes that when connecting was out of the game or in, in the box for for fighting, it was Matt Reed that took a spot on the, on the top line. So you could definitely see Matt Reed stepping into that third line spot if Michael Raffle is out. Or you could see a guy, even if Latera is not in there, you could see Taylor Lear come back in the lineup. He's a guy that he's like Jordan Wheel. He's going to be streaky. He, he can provide more offense. He's faster. He's younger. So I think they'll probably go back to to Laterra, but I wouldn't be surprised if Lear, if Lear gets in there. And yeah, having Laterra as your 12th forward, having Philpula as your third or fourth line center is fine, especially after we had Chris Vandevelde and RJ Umberger for the past two years. Laterra, you know, he didn't have a good start to the season, but over, over the past month and a half, he's he's been better. He's been he's been decent. He's been he's been serviceable as a fourth line forward, and that's really all all you ask for. He had that one mistake against Columbus. He didn't get the puck in deep and you know, maybe that led to his healthy scratch, and hopefully, raffles just just a day to day thing. You really don't know what it is because there wasn't really anything noticeable. He took a, a small hit on his last on his last shift, but I don't know. You don't want to speculate. Maybe oblique, something like that. It could be a nagging injury. So, raffles out of the lineup. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a big hit just because of all that he brings, but he doesn't play special teams, so. If Reed continues to play well, put him up on the third line, put put in Laterra or, or or Lear on the fourth line, and you're not going to miss too much. Well, and, and that's kind of what I was, you know, the the momentum moving forward is the Flyers have three guys, even Dale Weiss, you know, who play, okay once in a while have a couple of good shifts, but they have guys that are ready that are ready to play. They want to play. It's not like they're sitting there enjoying their popcorn and you know popcorn and pretzels every single night. I mean, I, I would, but. Now, for guys like that, they want to go out there and they want to contribute because they want to be as part of this team as much as possible. And the fact of the matter is, I think you're going to see a hungry, I mean, a hungry player that comes in. And I I would like to see Taylor Lear just get a few games in on that fourth line. Maybe say, hey, you know, keep him ready because you never know what will happen to another veteran or even a young guy. Like we don't, you know, you don't want to hope for any of this stuff, but you never know what's going to happen down the down the stretch you have to keep as many guys fresh as possible so that they don't come in cold especially with nine games left especially going into probably an extremely tough first round series against whether it's washington or against pittsburgh 
So, no, I I really do think that it's going to be a really really interesting, um, I would say interesting stretch moving forward with with these two teams. Yeah, it's good that they have they have those guys that can just cycle in on the fourth line or even the third line. They have there's not a huge difference between you know their eleventh or twelfth best forward and their thirteenth or fourteenth best forward or even fifteenth. They have four or five guys that can contribute at different levels. They played similar roles but they bring different 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 things lear has more speed latera is better along the board he's an, he's an all-star along the boards according to some people and so is dale so i think hopefully you know those guys cycle in and and hackstall can figure out whatever the best lineup combination he likes because they have they have a few very winnable games coming up if they get those wins and they get they get another another playoff cushion you could see the him maybe tinker a bit with the fourth line to try to find that best combination I realize you just made a joke about Bill Clement and Yuri Laterra from the broadcast. I, did, yes. I realized that was a good one. Um, so the reason, you know, I draw always go back to this because we had this huge discussion in training camp, if you remember, where, oh, the Flyers have too many bottom six forwards. What are they going to do with them all? And a lot of it was circled around like Mike Vecchioni, you know, whether he was going to make the roster or not, whether he should have made the roster, or what it would look like if Oscar Limblom made the lo- roster, where he would play, you know, things like that. Um, the Flyers are seeing it now is the fact that they have so much depth in their bottom six as a strong point. I mean, Hextall has talked about it where, you know, to be a successful team, no matter what, through an entire season going into the playoffs, you have to have depth. Imagine having, I mean, if if Pittsburgh didn't have that depth they had, you know, last year or the year before in net, could you imagine how crazy that would have been for them? Where it's like, you know, they're they're thrown in like Dustin Tokarski, even though he won like a series once with the Ducks. Like, could you imagine if they had to do that that type of situation? It, t- it totally derails your team. So when it's you have guys they're, they're the penguins, it, it's still win. No, what what I'm saying is that the depth, I mean, you yeah. they got guys coming out of nowhere scoring points and doing big things for them. And that's that's why you have to keep such a deep roster. And Hextall knows that. Hextall has preached it since the beginning. There's a reason why he didn't go and trade assets, and he says that every single time when he was asked about why he didn't do anything at the trade deadline. He believes in this group. He believes in this, you know, what he's kind of piecing together now. He said he's got puzzle pieces. He's got guys that you can plug in certain spots, and you may not have the finished piece of the puzzle, but you may have big pieces that could lead to even more bigger pieces to this puzzle. So it's a good thing for this team moving forward. So, Ryan, let's look at what is ahead. Tuesday at Detroit, Thursday against the Rangers at home. Playoff-like atmosphere is going to be on Thursday. I don't care what anybody says. The Ra- Everybody hates New York. Anybody, If you're listening from New York, I apologize. I hate New York. Uh, I hate the Rangers. I hate the color blue, I, even though I have a blue shirt on. Uh, I, I hate everything about the Rangers. I know I'm not the only person that lives like that. It is going to be a playoff atmosphere against a team that is completely derailed, that the Flyers can take advantage of, that they've had a lot of success, that they've basically sold everything. They have a lot of young, they have a couple of young players that have played pretty well this year. But oh man, it's I want to score seven goals on Henry Lundquist in the Wells Fargo Center on Thursday. That needs to happen. So, Ryan, what are your it's not what your predictions are moving ahead. What do the Flyers need to do to come out with at least three points this next week? Well, first of all, I didn't realize how just how terrible the Red Wings are. They lost their tenth straight game today on Sunday. Oh, that means they're going to win on Tuesday, which was their sixth straight in regulation. Um, which, yeah, definitely everything's going going to go wrong for the Flyers. They're going to lose. It's going to happen. You know that, right? But I mean, this this is a game they could just completely break out of their funk. They could score five. I mean, they scored six goals today, but they could put up like a like a six one win again and just keep rolling but yeah i think three points is definitely something they need to get out of these two games ideally i mean if they go one and one that's not going to kill them that's fine but you really want to get points out of both of these games against two teams that are looking forward to the to the playoff or to the uh draft lottery so you know they have to just keep doing what they were doing these these, these past two games they have to the top line kind of has to get going they haven't been too great recently so I mean, Detroit doesn't have a good line to try to shut Katori and Giroud down. Hopefully, Katori can score in Detroit. And, and like you said, every game against the Rangers is big, no matter where they are in the standings. So it'll probably be a playoff-like atmosphere, especially when you get some Rangers fans coming down. You get battling chants back and forth. And 
the Flyers, de- I think the Flyers do come away with at least three points this week. Hopefully, it's it's a clean sweep, two and zero, and they go into go into Pittsburgh with a chance to take over either the second or first spot. Optimism, positivity, a lot of things going well for the Flyers, despite a lot of glaring negatives that we talked about. The Flyers are finding ways to win, despite you know a lot of flaws. Whether it's you know guys like Brandon Manning, it's guys like Andrew McDonald, maybe not always having their best game. Guys like Radko Gudis throwing the puck behind blindly into the middle of the ice or skating right in front of your goaltender, things like that. The Flyers are finding ways to win. They've gotten extreme contributions from young players like Oscar Lindblom, who scored his first NHL goal. Sean Gatorier continues to rack up assists, even though he's not scoring goals and he's still putting up points. I think he's at 68 on the year. Now I would, I wanted, I, I think he's at 67, 68 on the year. Now so he's getting, he's approaching that nice point of the season. Ryan, yes. yeah, he's approaching that nice mark yes. on the year, which hopefully maybe his 30th goal no, he, will be. No, no, he, he has no, like a 68. Yeah. Yeah, which would, you know, hopefully that 30th goal will be the nicest point of the year for him. So, you know, there are a lot of good things. Wayne Simmons scored his first multi-goal game since the season opener. But again, Wayne Simmons, a streaky player, just like the Flyers have been all season. So guess what? If Wayne Simmons is ready to go on a hot streak, it's the perfect time for this team right now, especially to maybe help get the power play going, a a, a power play that has really struggled. The, The Flyers are in third place in the Metropolitan Division. They have a chance to, obviously, they control their own destiny moving forward. They have five very winnable games for the rest of the season and maybe can, you know, steal a couple of, steal a couple of them from teams that are in playoff spots. Nine games remaining. The Flyers need all that they can moving forward. That's it for us, Ryan. On behalf of myself, Ryan Gilbert, I want to say thank you for everyone listening. Welcome back to SOP Radio. It's about to get crazy down this stretch. Uh, special shout out to Tom Fody, who wanted me to talk specifically about, you know, Limblom and how well he's played because he he was waiting all week to talk about Oscar Limblom. Uh, so he, you know, he wanted to make sure that we we rammed home the fact that Oscar Limblom is playing incredibly great hockey. Uh, if you do like what we do, if you love what we do, you could subscribe to SOP Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search SOP Radio. Be sure to leave a five star review. And, five-star rating and leave us a review tell us what you love about us tell us what you want to hear you know tell me why the flyers are going to win the stanley cup tell me why the flyers are going to bounce are going to get bounced from the playoffs in the first round i want to know i I want to encourage dialogue that's what we want to do here so for myself ryan gilbert have a great one philly Completes the comeback. Voracek holding the pass for Gassenberg. He scores! A ghostly game winner extends his point streak and wins the game. Gassenberg kept it alive. Tipped it to Giroux. Who scores?